Hi everyone, I'm Frank Rock and welcome to the From the Hack podcast for week 35 of the 2017-2018 curling season. Sometimes life comes at you fast, and I've had a death in the family this week, which took me away from my podcasting duties. I did interview Mike Harris of Sportsnet, though. We discussed the Men's World Championship and this week's Players' Championship in Toronto. But first, Canadian musician and non-curler extraordinaire Jimmy Reed plays us into the podcast. Team Adin of Sweden won their third Men's World Championship for Sweden in six years on the weekend when he defeated Team Canada, represented by Team Gushu of Newfoundland and Labrador, by a score of 7-3 in the final. It was a dominant week for Team Adin, who lost but one game on their way to the championship. As for Team Gushu, they were inconsistent for much of the week and never really seemed fully comfortable on the ice in Las Vegas. The bronze medal went to Team Mawad of Scotland, who defeated Team Changmin Kim of Korea for a fifth straight time this season, including victories in three World Curling Tour event finals. As mentioned, 1998 Olympic silver medalist and Sportsnet curling analyst Mike Harris joined me to discuss the men's worlds and also look ahead to this week's Players' Championship. Mike, how impressive was the performance by Team Adin at the Men's World Championship after what had been a difficult Olympic experience for them? It would have been easy for them to come out flat at the Worlds, but they showed up hitting on all cylinders. Well, yeah, they're they're just really good. I don't know any way, any other way to say it. I mean, even at even if they're not at their best, they're still better than most of the teams at a World Championship. So yeah, their their performance certainly uh, in the playoffs they looked uh, spectacular. I mean, a nice comeback in the in the semifinal. Um, after giving up a steal, but uh, you know their 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 performance isn't really surprising uh, to me anyway. Um, you know they're 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 used to playing a ton of games. Uh, we've seen it over the last number of years, winning slams late in the season, including last year at the players. And uh, but yeah, no, they're they're just a great team, and and uh, to be firing like that, I say, is it surprising? Uh, it it shows how I think just how professional how they take their how serious they take the game, but, uh, no, they're, they're just an awesome team. And, and, uh, I thought Brad's team looked a little bit off the entire week, uh, but again, they're still good. They're, they're still making the playoffs comfortably as well. So, um, you know, when again, it comes to the final, one team's playing great and the other team's, uh, not as good. Uh, you, you're right. Sometimes it doesn't always pan out the way you, you might think, but, you know, Dean's team just kept it going through the final. And I think they were highly motivated too after, after losing that gold medal game and, in Pyeongchang, so uh, you know they they, def- they didn't want to lose another final. I think uh, would be a fair way to put that. Now I'm not going to make any excuses for Team Gushu, but they seemed flat for most of the week at the Men's Worlds in Las Vegas. And I realize that none of the players on Team Gushu would admit to this having any impact on their performance. But half of the team had been dealing with some unfortunate off-ice circumstances in the days and weeks leading up to the Worlds with the loss of loved ones. Now we often see athletes come through under difficult circumstances to play heroically in one game situations but to do so over a whole week having to come in game in and game out and perform at the highest level has to be a different challenge altogether and must have had some impact on the team in las vegas well yeah and i think it's important first of all to say it's it's all relative right you know brad's team even when they're not 100 percent, are still better than i said just about everybody so um you know like that that gets them to a championship final but when they play another team that's at their level certainly uh, it shows, right? So, um, you know, it's a short list of teams at that championship who, who can play 
the way they do. Um, you know, this is, you know, there is so much respect for that entire team. But you're right, there was a lot of distractions, and it's very difficult to to focus on what needs to, you know, your 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 in between draw uh, activities. I think certainly get get changed, and and even just being in Vegas, right? I mean, you look like they're they're out by the pool, they're coming in with sunburns, and and uh, you know, it's certainly a distraction. Same for all the teams, mind you, but. But uh, you're right. It, it it certainly can be distracting, and how much it actually affects them, you know, they would like like they, they would never really fully admit that that was the cause of the issues, or certainly the cause of them losing the final. Because they'll give the credit to a dean, which I think is is the correct uh, response. But uh, yeah, it's difficult for sure. And, and and you know, they have so much experience that team. You know, they they I'm sure at certain times they've gone through different things. Like I said, we saw Brad, even Brad in when he won his gold medal in Torino, you know, his mother was back home sick. So that's an instance where um, you know, being distracted or having having off ice challenges certainly you know, maybe is a motivator. And and I think there was certain I'm sure sure Mark would uh you know, would want to say that he won it for his mom or whatever happened, right? So yeah, it just depends how you how you handle it. But you know, I've such uh, such respect for that team. They're there's, and and how how talented they are, you know. There's they're even said so even when they're not 100% uh, in their world, <laughs> they're still better than than most of the teams out there. So yeah, I, I don't think it was easy, but I, I don't think I, I think that also you know, they can get to a gold medal final. Um, they're pretty they're pretty good at kind of putting putting things aside and compartmentalizing yeah. things. So yeah, I think you have to give more credit to a team than uh, you know you know blame outside effects for that uh, that final. I realize that they have already won a Grand Slam event this season and that people that follow curling closely knew how good they were. But did we see a coming-of-age moment for Team Mowat of Scotland in Las Vegas where they won the bronze medal? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm interested to see how they how they follow it up. I mean, that's the big thing. Again, you look at that team against the rest of that field, uh, you know, beating Brad in the round robin was, was uh, maybe a bit of a surprise. They, they, I think the, uh, Brad, uh, Brad had a chance late in that game, but... Uh, but once they did win that game, they seemed to beat all the teams they should beat very easily. And it's the first Scottish team we've ever seen do that. You know, Ian Tetley and I, Ian, who was coaching David Murdoch the last couple of years, when we were watching the Scottish Championship over the last two seasons or three seasons, uh, Grant Hardy placed third on that team. We, I, I said, to, I didn't know Grant at all, and I said, who's this Grant Hardy? Like, he, to me, is the best. He was skipping a team, and he said, he's, he's this kid's really good player. And, and he had had a little falling out with the Scottish Curling Federation. So Grant, I, well, Ian and I were really impressed with Grant, first of all. And, of course, Bruce goes and wins as a world junior. He was, remember Matt Dunstone was Team Canada rep that year, and everyone was so high on Dunstone after he lost the provincial final. They'd almost handed him the world junior title. Well, he lost to Bruce Mullet right in that semifinal um, at the world. So, you know, it, right there, I mean, people kind of went, well, that was kind of an anomaly. Well, it turns out Bruce Mullet's a pretty good player, right? <laughs> Bruce, is, Bruce is an awesome player. So you've got two guys at the back end, I think, who are the two strongest talents uh, in the Scottish program. And then they threw together Bobby Lammy, who played third for Bruce at those World Juniors, World University game champion as well. And then Hammy uh, Jr., who's... Uh, a really solid lead. So they've got four really talented players on that team, um, and it's come together really quickly for them. So I don't think it's, uh, yeah, a bit of a coming out party perhaps for, for some, but I don't think that certainly Adin and Gushu have seen these guys on tour already. How about the Korean team too? Uh, Kim, is, uh, they lost the final with Slam and made it to the, to the bronze medal game as well. So you're, you're, you're seeing teams that um, yeah, it's time for a new cycle, right? A new, a new, new group of uh, athletes to pop over the next four years, and they're certainly one to watch. I wasn't surprised at all um, how well they played. Uh, they're they're just 
I was so impressed all season uh, how quickly they came together as a team. That was always going to be the question. Um, in fact, I thought Grant might be the better skip, to be honest, but Bruce has just shown how uh, how calm he is under pressure, and uh, that's something you can't really teach. Um, and being so young, he's, uh, they've got they've got a bright future ahead of them. So I, I look forward look for some great things from that team. You know, they might be the next team after a team to, you know, a European team to kind of get into that top five in the world. You mentioned Changmin Kim and his Korean team. They've now lost five straight times to Team O at this season, including in the final of three different events and in the bronze medal game at Worlds. Were there any teams back in your day, perhaps a Howard or a Wernick, that had your number like that? Well, yeah, for sure. I, we, we joke with this on air all the time. Like, who is your nemesis? Well, we had a few. Like, we had a few people that we, we played a lot against, like Wayne Madaw and, and Russ and Eddie, as you say. But we won our share of games against those guys. Um, the guy I could never beat was Dick Peters, which is it makes no. There's no rhyme or reason to that. You know, Kerry Burtnick, just out, no problem. Dick Peters, for whatever reason, we, every time we played him, we kind of he beat us easily. So, uh, you know, Vic, Vic, uh, you know, great team. But, you know, like I said, we, we, we beat a lot of other good teams. But uh, for whatever reason, Vic, uh, we can never get by Vic. So I think every team's got their, got their nemesis that you, you, you certainly try to avoid. But uh, a good story with uh, Mowat and, uh, and Kim, though. So they played each other in the first two events of the year in Oakville, but both they back-to-back Bonsos. And, and uh, as you said, uh, Mowat beat them both in the final. So... When they got to the slam in January, they kept saying to each other, hey, we'll see you in the final, jokingly, of course. It was the first, first slam for both of them. And, uh, they, and, and they end up meeting in the final again. So they, they actually, that actually worked to their advantage in that, in that grand slam uh, when Moet when beat came in the final. So it was pretty funny. They, they, they kind of had a, a nice friendship formed after they played each other a couple of times. And then, you know, they kind of, when they saw each other in the elevator at the hotel, they were, you know, they jokingly say, we'll see in the final. And sure enough, it happened, and, and they ended up uh, playing for that uh, championship. So it was, it, was, it was pretty funny. But, yeah, I think every team's got their, got their, 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 their that one team that they don't like to play. As seems to happen each time a federation makes changes to their event formats, the World Curling Federation has received mixed reviews for the format that was used this season at the Men's and Women's World Championships, with six teams making the playoffs, including teams that finish 6-6 six and six in the round robin. Are you one of those that believe that the format needs to be readdressed, or do you believe that this new format should be given more of a chance? No, I don't. I don't care if they get in there six and six. Like they're the they're the team, right? <laughs> they're the sixth best team. Now, I mean, next year could be seven and five. Is that better? I mean, that that is that the answer? So, you know, it happens with the Briar and the Scotties on occasion, where six and five team makes it into the into that uh, three four game, right? So, I don't I don't see a huge challenge. With it. The problem that I've got is the thirteen team draw is kind of a weird number. I mean, I'd almost rather see them go to similar to a to a Briar or Scotties. I mean, I know. The Brian Scott's got a ton of criticism for that pool, but I actually don't mind the the uh, if you have to go to fourteen teams, which they do, or sixteen hundred sixteen teams this year. Um, if you, I would rather see the world go to sixteen teams and have two pools and have like you know top three in each pool sort of thing. That's what I would I would rather see that and and uh, you know then you see, you have to have to seed it accordingly. But uh, I think I have no issue with it. You know, the game's growing, the game's expanding. You need to be more inclusive. I like. I love the idea of having three Asian teams there. You know that does, that makes no sense to have eight from. You know to take one of those teams out of the mix. Who are you going to take out, right? So um, 
you know, I, I just don't think that, uh, that you know, it's, it's difficult just to make make it work the proper way. I don't know what the right answer is, but um, I have no issue with uh, the 6 and 16 making the final. I said next year might be 7 and 5, so I think that's fine. Now let's move on to the Pinty's Grand Slam of Curling, where the Players' Championship is coming up this week, and there are different dynamics at play. Last year's winners in both the men's and women's events are both coming off uh, emotional victories at the World Championships. What are you expecting from Team Jones and Team Adine this week? I think they're just going to be. I, I, I mean, I had the chance to work with Joe Officer at the next double, so I was talking to Joe about this, and they're really excited just to kind of wrap up their tour with Jill. So there's motivation there, certainly to end on a positive note. They also have uh, a chance of winning the the Grand Slam Cup, which is uh, you know seventy five thousand dollars bonus <laughs> to the winner. So no lack of motivation there. Uh, I don't think. I think as long as they win a couple of games, like they're they're secure. They've won two of the of the three slams already in front of. Uh, you know, for, to qualify for this event, so they 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 have a pretty big lead. But and same with Nick. I mean, they 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 have a lot of pride. Uh, they've lost their funding too, so they they're paying this. I think they're paying their last these last two slams out of their own pocket, the first time in their career. So they're uh, they're experiencing whatever Canadian team had this, <laughs> has experienced over the last number of years. Uh, you know, playing playing for your dinner sort of thing. So I, I think there's uh, tons of motivation there. Um, certainly, there there'll be a letdown. Uh, that that wouldn't surprise me at all. Um, they just need to kind of uh, get their get focused and but I think again they're so good you know again nicotine and you know there's three or four teams uh, on the men's side where you know even if they're not 100% they're still going to win their share um, you can't sneak through the the slams mind you but um, you know in in this short uh, format I think they'll be fine look for them to be you know when they're playing well and nicotine looks like he's on a roll sometimes it just goes on autopilot and you just kind of keep it going so we'll, he's got two ways to go right he <laughs> have a little letdown or he just kind of keeps it on autopilot and keeps going hard. So I expect I expect both teams to play really well. And uh, yeah, there's that. Uh, you know, for Jen, there's about 105,000 reasons to play well this weekend. There are five teams in each of the men's and women's events that have announced they are splitting up at the end of the season, and have already started making plans for the next cycle with new teammates. How difficult would it be to play in an event as important as the Players Championship under those circumstances? Well, I think there's there's probably a couple of different instances, right? You've got uh, I think Mike McEwen's team it fits into the, the I think I actually believe they'll stay friends and and they they that team at this front, of course. And we saw how if you'd seen them off ice in Winnipeg at the slam, they like the Elite Ten, how they how they were with each other and how they were with their kids and their families and everything. It was really touching actually um, to watch them. So I believe that that team will be fine, like they're. There's no, they're not looking ahead beyond the the players and the next uh, and the champion cup. So I think I think for that team, they'll be good. You know, the other teams you got Reed Crothers. They're they're one player who's been changed, Braden Muscawi. He won't be there. So that again, that simplifies things for that team as well. Uh, with uh, Jeff Stout coming into spare uh, again. So uh, again, they're they're not going to be looking too far. So I don't think it's going to affect those two teams uh, much. You know, and and every team's going to react a little bit differently. You've got Chelsea Carey, who's again, who's their their teams all uh, going to going to end up in diff- on different teams as well. I, I I believe that the players are a little less uh, emotional about it than maybe we were in past years. You know, there was always kind of that uh, hard game, but it's a new reality. Like every four years, there's there's going to be shakeups. I think it's uh, admirable how you know the teams are actually able to come and play together. So I, I don't think there'll be too much. Uh, but what I found last year at the players, um, there were teams that you kind of saw were on the edge of breaking up and weren't going to break up because they knew that this was their one and only chance to get the, the you know either pre-trials or the Olympic trials. 
Um, I saw a lot of tension at the end of last season. I think everyone this year is kind of relieved and then just kind of ready to move on. So I think I think I think the events, especially with the teams that are breaking up, it's going to be kind of a just a time to you know enjoy the last couple of weeks curling together and have some fun. And if we win, we win. But in uh, the, there's teams like I said, like McEwen, who I know they definitely want to end with. Uh, they'd love to win another Slam before they uh, they wrap up their uh, their time together. There will be teams in Toronto that haven't played in a competitive event in some six weeks. Do you think that the teams that competed either at the men's or women's world championships will have an advantage at the players at least early in the week? I do. I think there's definitely an advantage to staying sharp. You know, kind of, I call it being battle hardened, right? So, it uh, for teams that haven't been on the ice, they're gonna yeah, it's gonna take them uh, maybe a draw or two to figure it out. For the teams that have, as you say, have been playing a lot lately, will will have certainly have an advantage. I I, I 100% agree with that. Even even though you know, the motivation might be different. Um, having been on the ice for the last uh, two or three weeks, it will certainly be an advantage. And finally, Mike, in golf, we often hear the old adage of horses for courses when a golfer wins a number of events on the same course in their career. Team Muirhead has an incredible record at the Players' Championship when it's held at the Mattamy Centre in Toronto, where it will be played again this year. Throughout your career, have you seen or experienced venues that seem to favor specific teams in the sport of curling? Well, the advantage is that they believe they can win there. That's the advantage. So I would say yes, the short answer. Um, yeah, we, my, my team loved curling in Ottawa. For whatever reason, didn't matter what it was, we loved curling in Ottawa. And that was one of our, uh, you know, every time we went there, we're like, well, how are we going to win this thing? Like, even though we're, you know, you're struggling down, it looks like we have to take the long route to win this time. So, you know, there, there are, yeah, definitely I would agree that there are, there are certain uh, venues there where you just feel good. You know, Eve's won three times there at this venue, and then and Jen at the Players has won six Players championships already. So, uh, yeah, there's there's definitely uh, yes. I think the short answer is yes. So I think uh, the advantage is in the belief that you can do it. I think there's no other there's no other rhyme or reason. There's no you know it's not the ice, it's not the rocks. They change year to year as well. So just uh, just knowing you've been in this building before, everything's familiar. You remember when you know you have positive memory from walking down this hallway or or doing this, uh, you know what I mean, like playing these, this team in this venue sort of thing. So, yeah, I think, I think it works, uh, works to your advantage, definitely. And that does it for this episode of the From the Hack podcast. Join us next week when we recap the Players' Championship and look ahead to the World Mixed Doubles Championship. I'm Frank Rock, and this is From the Hack.